I was chatting with an Olympian, Sarah Wells, who's a Canadian hurdler. And she was telling me that confidence is not built from achievement. Confidence is built from actions. Your confidence is not built from your achievement. It's built from your actions. So it's not built from having been an Olympian and gone to the Olympics. It's built from every day showing up, showing up for yourself and taking the actions that say, hey, here, I'm a person that I can believe in. I'm the person I want to be. Welcome to the 41st episode of the Leader Rising Podcast. My name is Paul Carvanis. I'm the host and coach of this podcast. We're here for those who are passionate about life, who just want to live. We're those who can't stop, won't stop. Life is good, and we want more. We want to live all out, leave it all out on the field. Strive, love, compete, succeed, play, chill, dream. We want to live. We know that we're masters of our own destiny, which not only means that it's all our fault, the good and the bad, but also that we hold ourselves responsible for becoming who we're meant to be, because we know that it isn't just our potential, it's our birthright. And we will shine bright for as long as we keep burning. I remember feeling guilty about not being happy. I was working in-house, I was earning decent money, I had a pretty good work-life balance, and I just wasn't that happy about life. And what made it a little bit worse is I then felt bad about not being happier with my life. You see, I had convinced myself that what I was doing was focusing on the very pinnacle of the hierarchy of needs. Right? If you look at the picture of Maslow's hierarchy of needs that we've been shown forever, Self-actualization is the tiny peak of that pyramid, right at the top. And so I thought, look, I've got all of this other stuff. I have safety, security, I've got um, money, a stable job, this and that. And other people have it so much worse. Who am I to not be satisfied with what I have? And it's interesting because there's a few things at play there, right? One is being hard on myself. Um, the other one is the comparative suffering, where I invalidate my own feelings because look at other people who have it worse. And yet there's a truth in it too. They do have it worse. And some of those people who have it worse are happier. So what is the difference? And if I can approach it from a place of kindness and not judgment, maybe I can start to incorporate that in my own life. Well, I finished this book, Transcend, by Scott Barry Kaufman. He calls it the new science of self-actualization. It's pretty interesting. He took Maslow's hierarchy of needs and reimagined it, updated it with all of the uh, research that's happened in the ensuing decades, and also, frankly, finished it because Maslow died before he could finish it. And, and interestingly enough, Maslow had never put it in the pyramid. Apparently, that was done by some consultant a few decades later. And so as he reimagines the hierarchy of need, Kaufman does away with the pyramid. He says that 
has us thinking about it like a video game. We do tackle level one, beat the big boss, go on to the next level. Tackle the big boss, beat it, go on to the next. And when you think about it that way, you're like, okay, I finished with that first thing. I can now forget about it because I'm on to the next challenge. And he's like, that's it, not the way life works. The way life works is that we're dealing with all of them all at the same time. And so the metaphor that he gave was one of a sailboat. And so the sailboat broadly is split into two groups. There's the hull, the boat itself, and then there's the sail. So he says the hull are built up, are made up of our deficiency needs. And he calls them deficiency needs because if you have a deficiency in them, you feel deficient about life. So these are safety, connection, and self-esteem. And then he calls the sale, the needs in the sale, the growth needs. And those are exploration, love, and purpose. And there's something really neat about this metaphor, right? The idea being that if you don't have any of those deficiency needs, you're going to be spending all of your energy just trying to stay, keep your head above water. You're going to be treading water. Or if you've got a hull, but there's a big hole in it, you're going to be spending all your time bailing. Now, assuming you get all the deficiency needs done, great. You don't need to worry about keeping your head above water, but you're also not moving anywhere. You're just sort of sitting there. If you want to actually move, you need your sail up. You need the wind. And so even within this new framework, if you look at me worrying about self-actualization, it's like just part of the sail, what's wrong with me, blah, 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 blah. However, while I was reading this, I realized, no, man, that's not what my issue was. I was dealing with self-esteem. So one of the deficiency needs. And it was really interesting to see how it came into play. You see, I just really didn't have any self-compassion. And as a result of the lack of self-compassion, I also had a lack of self-confidence because I would look at myself and say, yeah, you've got no excuse not to be happy. What's wrong with you? And then what's wrong with you is like, oh, there must be something wrong with me. And so the two were tied together. And that's what was holding me back. It was like, I had no excuse is immediately putting it into a blaming framework where like something went wrong and there are excuses. And what I truly needed was to just be nicer to myself and feel better about myself. And that's part of the journey that I'm working on right now realizing that actually, hey, this whole thing is about self-confidence. And it's weird because I always considered myself a very confident person, but it was the type of confidence that was built on achievements. I would look at all the things I'd done. I would look at who I was, you know, hey, here I am, not just gone to law school. I worked at, some, at a top firm. I'm, I've got a a bunch of, a whole bunch of friends. I've ran half marathons. I have painted stuff pretty well. And so I could point to a list of things that said, here are the reasons why I get to feel good about myself. So of course, I've got the confidence. But the problem with looking to achievements for confidence is one, you don't always get them. And two, even when you do get them, the goalposts start to move. I was chatting with an Olympian, Sarah Wells, who's a Canadian hurdler. 
And she was telling me that confidence is not built from achievement. Confidence is built from actions. Your confidence is not built from your achievement. It's built from your actions. So it's not built from having been an Olympian and gone to the Olympics. It's built from every day showing up, showing up for yourself and taking the actions that say, hey, here, I'm a person that I can believe in. I'm the person I want to be. And I think that was part of the problem with the confidence was I wasn't really taking action. I wasn't taking action to try and be someone who was happier with his life. I wasn't taking action to change either my life or myself to make it the way I wanted it to be. So Seth Godin has an interesting quote on imposter syndrome. He says, we're all imposters if we're making a difference. Because the point about making a difference is we're changing something. We're changing something that didn't exist beforehand. So by definition, we're trailblazing. By definition, you can't have done it already because it's just being done now. And so part of what we need to do is just get okay with feeling like an imposter. And in part, I think that it's the fear, the imposter syndrome and the fear of being found out, of losing face, of what would everyone say, that holds a lot of us back. Certainly, I think it's held me back from time to time. Kept me in more prestigious positions, a more prestigious profession, then maybe if I'd just been truly listening to my heart instead. And it's funny because it's this fear of failure that ends up stopping us. And yet, if you show me someone who hasn't failed, I'll show you someone who hasn't tried. And in a way, I think it's because we're taught to fear failure when instead we should be celebrating it because we can't achieve success without the failure along the way. Look, they've looked at people who come up with great ideas, and it's not that these people only come up with great ideas. The biggest correlator of how many great ideas you have is how many ideas you have, because most of them are shit, and that's okay. Then if you just create enough of them, you're going to get the good ones in there too. And so it's about that cycle of iteration, and, and you can't do that cycle of iteration without trying and without failing. And so we need to turn to celebrating failure. Yes, I did that and it didn't work out. Great. If we put all this together, it's, hey, be nice to yourself. Take actions to build your confidence and your belief in yourself and start to celebrate failure. And you've got to pay attention to your thoughts to see where they enable this action and to see where they actually get in the way. Not everyone has a coach to reflect back what they're thinking and to tease through. But that doesn't mean you can't do it yourself. It's one of the reasons journaling is so powerful. One of the things I do is I see the symptoms and that's what lets me know that there's an issue underneath. So I was chatting with a colleague and the colleague gave me praise, said I'd done a great job on something. And my response was to diminish the praise. And I knew in that moment that if she'd given me criticism instead, I would not have diminished it. I would have focused on it. And that is an example of a negative mindset. We all have confirming biases where we latch onto the information that confirms what we're thinking and we discount the stuff that doesn't. And so the fact that I was doing that with praise and criticism showed me, oh, shit, my worldview is imbalanced right now. And that's okay right? This happens all the time. And the most important thing is seeing it, noticing it, and knowing that it will pass too. 
and taking the steps that I can in order to help it pass. Because the most important relationship that you'll ever have is the one you have with yourself. Most of us say things to ourselves that we would never say to others. If I treated others the way I treat myself, I'd run out of friends. And that needs to change. It needs to change for me and has been changing. And it probably needs to change for you too. I've met a few, but very few, people who already do this really well. And so even if you are one of those people, I invite you to just ask yourself right now, hey, how can I be just a little bit kinder to myself? And what's one action that I can take for myself to build my confidence and my belief in myself? Until next time, dream big and live bigger.